our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. There were two more murders 15 miles away. We have a weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cup of murder. Dating this day and age often involves dating apps. On February 22nd, 1975, a man was born who would take advantage of these dating apps and the men wanting to find a date and used it to find his new victims. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. The story of Stephen Port has, unfortunately, become more about the investigation and its issues than the actual crime and its victims. For one reason or another, the police don't do their job to the best of their ability, and important evidence and information get swept under the rug. This is one of those cases. Beginning in June of 2014, Stephen Port, born February 22, 1975, set out to meet potential victims on popular gay social networks. Once he met these men and got back to his apartment in Barking, London, he would use GHB, a date rape drug, to sedate his victims. Once they were unconscious, he would rape and then murder them. These men die due to drug overdose with things like poppers, Viagra, mephedrone, and crystal meth. It's unclear if he drugged these men to kill them or if the drug overdose was accidental simply to keep them unconscious. Regardless, his first victim was 23-year-old fashion student Anthony Walgate, whom he met on a male escort site, Sleepy Boys. He paid Anthony to spend the evening with him on June 17, 2014. Two days later, his body was found after an anonymous call made by Stephen reported that this stranger had collapsed on the street in front of his apartment. On June 26th, Stephen was arrested after police discovered he hired Anthony Walgate as an escort and he was charged. But not with murder. He was charged with perverting the course of justice and released on bail pending a trial. If you are sitting there shaking your head at the police... Just wait. On August 23rd, a 22-year-old named Gabriel Kovari, who came from Slovakia to London, stayed at Stephen's apartment for a while. On August 28th, his body is found propped up in a sitting position, just like Anthony's, on a graveyard wall less than a half a mile away from Stephen's apartment. An old roommate of Gabriel's named John Pape, devastated about the death of his friend, began research on other unexplained deaths in the Barking area. Something you'd think the police would have done. 
He found the case of Anthony Walgate eerily similar to Gabriel's, but noticed that police had not connected the two. Then came the death of 21-year-old Daniel Whitworth. Daniel, who made arrangements to meet with Stephen Port on September 18th, was found dead on the 20th. His body was found sitting upright on a graveyard wall, just like the men before him. However, this time, there was a suicide note in his hands. In it, Daniel took responsibility for Gabriel's murder and stated he couldn't live with the guilt and decided to end his life. Now, a couple of things happened after Daniel's death. First, that friend of Gabriel's, John Pape, called the Barking Police and demanded to know if they had linked the three cases and if his friend had been murdered. Not just that, but should he be concerned for his safety as well? They assured him that there was no link and no murder. After he offered to come in and be interviewed about his friend's last known movements, the police ignored him. Not just that, but that same dog walker who found Daniel also found Gabriel before. She even suggested to police that they must be connected, as they looked almost identical when she found them. But the police remained steadfast in their statements that the deaths were unrelated and not murder. Police told the Whitworth family that their son's death was an overdose and that they had no intention of investigating it any further. Oh, and that bruising the coroner found on Daniel's arm? Not important. A small snippet of the suicide note was shown to Daniel's parents, who said they were unsure if the writing matched. This was recorded as them confirming it was his writing. Later, when the couple was shown the whole letter, they immediately stated it wasn't written by Daniel. When asking the police to change their earlier statement or to continue the investigation, they came back with the attitude, it is what it is, deal with it. On March 23, 2015, Stephen Port pleads guilty to the charge of perverting the course of justice and is sentenced to eight months in prison. He is released with an electronic tag on June 4th. On September 13th, he begins communication with a 25-year-old man named Jack Taylor on Grinder, and they make plans to meet. The very next day, the body of Jack Taylor is found in the same position at the same graveyard as the previous two victims. How did the police tell Jack's family about his murder? Simply called and said, Jack's dead. The presence of a syringe in his pocket white powder in his wallet, and a needle mark on his arm were enough for police to wipe their hands and claim it was yet another overdose. But Jack's sisters were adamant that their brother was very anti-drug, and this would be the last thing he would do. When they called the police 11 days after his death for an update on the case, they were shocked to discover that there was no investigation into their brother's death. They began taking it upon themselves to do an investigation, and it wasn't long before they found the other three cases. Finally, after two weeks of calling, the police agreed to take them to the spot where Jack had been found, and told them that CCTV footage was found of Jack and another man. They were shocked that this was the first time they were hearing that their brother wasn't alone that night, and even more surprised that they didn't seem to be making moves to identify the unknown man. When they began questioning the police department about their competency and credibility, the story changed. All of a sudden, there wasn't a second male in the footage. They weren't buying it and began demanding to have the footage released to the public for identification. 
After some reluctancy, the police obliged. Just two days after the footage was made public, Stephen Port was identified as the second male and is arrested on October 15th. Despite the many failings of the police department, and I only named a few, Stephen Port was convicted of the assaults by penetration, rapes, and murders of Anthony Walgate, Gabriel Cavari, Daniel Whitworth, and Jack Taylor on November 23, 2016. There were additional charges of rape on three other men he drugged, 10 counts of administering a substance with intent, and four of sexual assault. He was found guilty on all accounts and given a whole life sentence. Since his arrest, there are at least 58 other GHB-related deaths that may or may not be connected to Stephen Port being investigated. It was announced in 2017 that there, that there may be an investigation into the 17 police officers involved in the case. As of now, there is no public record of any inquest. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on February 23rd. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.